Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. In an increasingly immoral and troubled world, what could be more important than a conversation about God and morality, a study of his word, and an understanding that each of us is part of his divine plan. My partner in this endeavor is Pastor Brian Serrani, the pastor of Calvary Chapel Mountainside Church in Murphy, and this is our outreach crusade for God. Pastor Brian, let's talk about the Bible. That's God's Word, isn't it? Well, that's what some people say, and of course there's a lot of other people who disagree with that. And so this is obviously one of those uh, uh, controversial subjects for a lot of people. But, of course, for Christians, I would have to say for the majority of Christians, um, I understand that there are um, some who say they're Christians and yet uh, they look at the Bible maybe differently than I do. But I would say for, for the majority of Christians, they see the Bible as God's word, uh, you know, written to us from him. Uh, and it speaks on various different issues, obviously. The, the, the word Bible actually comes from uh, the Latin word meaning books, and, which is really perfect since the Bible is just that. It's, a, it's actually a bunch of books, several books uh, put into one, one group, and we call it the Bible, 66 books to be exact. And, and those books, they include books of, of the law, uh, Christian and, and Jewish law, such as Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you know, in the Old Testament. We have historical books such as uh, Ezra, they give us some history, the book of Acts. We have books of poetry. I mean, we got the Psalms, we got Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. There's books about prophecy, and we see that like in the book of Isaiah uh, and in the New Testament, the book of Revelation. Even biographies are in the Bible. We see that in Matthew, we see that in John. And then there's these things called epistles, uh, which is a, a fancy way of saying a formal letter. These are letters that are written, um, and we see that like Titus, we see Timothy, and of course, there are others. Um, there, there, there are about 40 different authors, uh, human authors, if you will, that contributed to the Bible. Uh, it was written over a period of 1,500 years, and, and, and these authors, they were various different backgrounds. Some were kings, fishermen. There was lawyers who wrote, priests, government officials, uh, farmers, shepherds. Of course, we know fishermen. Did I say that? I don't know if I said that. Doctors wrote in the Bible. And they're from all diversities when it comes to, to who, who they were. And yet, even in the diversity, there's this incredible unity from beginning to end with these common themes woven throughout. 
Uh, and the Bible's unity is due to the fact, ultimately, that it really has one author, and that was God himself. Scripture tells us, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the Scripture is God-breathed. And so, yeah, there were human authors who wrote, but they wrote exactly what God wanted them to write, and they, as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to do the writing. Now, what's cool about that is their personality still came through, their style still came through, but yet we now have this perfect holy word of God that, uh, that God wrote through man, which has always been a controversy because I hear it all the time. Well, didn't a bunch of men write the Bible? Um, and I say, well, yeah, and possibly even a woman, some th- theology or theologians would like to, would like to say, some scholars uh, will like to say maybe even a woman wrote in the Bible. Um, but yeah, they did. However, uh, they wrote exactly what God wanted them to write. Won't you say, though, that, uh, and some people do say, that this originally was just an oral history, because in the beginning, the Bible wasn't actually written, was it? Well, that's correct, absolutely, and and the oral history goes back thousands of years until it was finally written down. Um, in Jewish history, it was all oral, and uh, eventually it was written down, and I'm, I'm I'm the, the Talmud, and there's one other, and I forget the, the words, but uh, it was eventually written down. And then in that, we, we find an Old Testament kind of coming together uh, in written form. And, 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 that, and you know, that's how the Bible's divided. It's divided into two main parts, right? You've got the Old Testament. There's 39 books in our current scriptures that we have. And, uh, and then the New Testament has 27 books. And it's said, and I've heard it said many times, that the, that, that the Old Testament is the story of a nation, and, and the New Testament is the story of a man. And the nation, of course, is the nation of Israel. And it would be through Israel that God would bring the man, who is, of course, Jesus Christ, and he would come into the world, and he would offer forgiveness. He would offer salvation. And, and so you see the two completely woven together. Now, the Old Testament in, in Scripture, it describes the founding and the, the preservation of the nation of Israel. God promised to use Israel to bless the whole nation, or, or the whole world, I should say. And so they were a nation that God was going to use to bless the entire world. And once Israel was established as a nation, starting out with Abraham, God then, he through again this plan that he's unfolding, raised up a family within that nation from whom that blessing would come, and that would end up being the family of David. And we see that in Psalm 89. And then from the family of David was promised one man who would bring the promise of blessing to the whole world, and that was in Isaiah chapter 11. And, of course, we know now that man is Jesus Christ. And the New Testament, it actually details the coming of this promised one, this promised Messiah. And, and, and when he came, when Jesus came, he fulfilled all these prophecies of the Old Testament. He lived this perfect life. He died on a cross. He was buried and then the Bible has this crazy story of him actually rising from the dead on the third day. And when he rose from the dead, the Bible says he's done all this because he's come to offer forgiveness. He's, be, he's come to offer salvation to anyone who would just simply place their faith in him. The interesting part about it being an oral history, the Old Testament, is that critics will always say that even though you repeat things over and over again, that it changes over a period of time. And now we know that in olden times, before the birth of Jesus, that the Jewish people read, the, read the, what is the Bible 
for the entire year, from the first day of the year to the last day of the year, they read the entire five books of Moses, as well as some of the books of the prophets, every Sabbath morning, and it was divided up over the year. So critics would say, well, over that period of time, didn't a whole bunch of things change? Well, I think that um, those critics will always be out there. And here's what I can't do. Just like um, last time we talked about who who is God, I can't prove to you God, right? I mean, I can't take you into a laboratory and, and fire up a Bunsen burner and get some test tubes out and throw some chemicals in and heat it up and poof, there's God. I, I can't prove that to you. Nor can I um, prove, hey, with, without a shadow of a doubt, I can get you in a, in a laboratory somewhere and prove that this is the word of God. I, I, can't, I can't do that. Nobody can do that. And so there will always be critics that will uh, t- tear and take apart all kinds, of, um, you know, all kinds of things. But there is this thing called faith. And I remind, I remind myself every now and then that Paul tells me um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to walk by faith and not by sight. And so there is this thing that we look through the eyes of faith. And I understand a lot of people have struggled with that. They, they have a problem with that. But I know that I can place my faith in God's word for a, a few reasons. Number one is I believe what it says. And, and, and as I look at God's word, I see it proved over and over. Um, every time they do a, every time they do an archaeological dig, it always proves the Bible again. Every time they, they question this part of the Bible as history continues to unfold, oh, wait, that was true again. I've watched people try to tear apart the Bible and find a contradiction and, here and find a contradiction there. And, oh, this was wrong and this... And yet every single time there's the explanation and there's an opportunity to, sh- to show people, no, 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 that's not a contradiction. Here's what was going on. And not only that, but I have to go to my own personal life. I have watched God's word be proven over and over in my life. I've watched it be true in my life and in people's lives around me. I've watched God's le- word change my life. And here's what God's word says about it about itself that I don't know any other word, any other book says. It says that it's alive. It says that it's a living book. Now, I have a Bible right here in my hands. Um, it's cheap imitation leather, and the paper's probably pretty cheap, and it's ink there. And, and, and I can take this and throw it on the ground, and it's not going to jump up and walk around and talk. This, this book, this book with, in that way is not alive. But what's alive about it is when those words in this book when they jump off those pages and they get into the heart of a man or a heart of a woman, they become alive in that person, and, and, and they change lives. It's living water. You know, it's a, li- it's a living book, and, and, and God's Word has changed my life, and God's Word continues to go forth and change people's lives. And so there's always going to be critics, and, and there's no way I can, I can argue with a critic and absolutely prove because I, I, I don't have an original copy. Nobody has an original copy of either the Old Testament or New Testament book. We don't have it. Um, However, I do know what God's Word continues to do in my life, and I do know that God's Word continues to be proven over and over and over throughout time. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will return right after this break. You know, one of the things about the Bible that I've always found fascinating is the prophecy in the Bible. Books like Isaiah and Daniel are books of prophecy that have come true, have they not? Well, they have, but critics will say that um, those books weren't really written in the time that we as Christian, as Christian scholars, would say they were written. 
they would say, no, they were obviously those those books were written much later. And so it's hard to argue with that. Um, but here's the thing is, I, you know, I can't I, I, Dan Rather wasn't back there with a camera, you know, watching all this stuff. We don't have it on DVD. We don't have it on on, on video. And so it, it's like it's hard to to prove to a critic who wants to argue that, who wants to just simply pass that off and say, no, it was written at a different time, obviously. But I, I find that interesting, too, because um, we do have video of the Holocaust. We have video proof of that. And yet there is a movement in our world to say that never happened either. And so there's always going to be people who are going to be able to brush this off and lay it aside and just say, no, it's not true. It wasn't written when you said it was written. All, that's all just, just man-made, and there are always going to be those people. But I would challenge anybody because I wonder how many people feel that way who actually picked this book up and read it from cover to cover. You just said how the Israelites used to read. I mean they would tie it around their, their necks, and they would wear the Scriptures, and they would recite the Scriptures when they were going to bed and when they were arising and when they were walking and as their family, and they, they were constantly quoting Scripture. I would challenge anybody to pick the book up and read it. This thing's alive. This thing is real. This is God's word, and it still changes people's lives today. So, Pastor Brian, let's talk about who decided what books are part of the Bible. I mean, obviously, there's sixty books, sixty-six books in the Bible. Others have been written. I know there's the Apocrypha. There are books that were not included. How did the Bible come to be the Bible that we now hold in our hands and agree is the Bible? Well, what we do is we have this term that we use um, to describe the books that are divinely inspired and belong in the Bible, and that's the word the canon. And that word the canon, it comes from the rule of law that was used to determine if a book would measure up to a standard. And and all these books that we now find in our Bible have, have been determined to measure up. Now, the difficulty in determining, of course, the biblical canon is that the Bible doesn't give us a list. God didn't give us a list of books that belong in the Bible, right? So it was up to men to determine what the canon would be, and there was a process that was, that was gone through. Now, it was done first by Jewish rabbis, right, Jewish rabbis and scholars, and then later by the early Christian leaders, and ultimately, of course, we believe by God. We believe by faith that God is the one who inspired these books, and he knew which books were inspired, and so we're going to trust that he was able to get the right books in the Bible. Now, you can, of course, imagine, though, there's a lot of controversy over that. There, there, there was back when they were putting it together, and there still is now today. And, and compared to the New Testament, there was much less controversy, though, when it came to the Old Testament scriptures, because the Hebrew believers, they recognized God's messengers, and they accepted their writings as inspired by God. And, and, and there's no doubt there was a lot of debate when it, when it was regards to that. But by around 250 A.D., the Hebrew scriptures were pretty much set. The canon was pretty much settled. The only issue remained with a few books, which you just mentioned, called the Apocrypha. And, and the debate over those books still continues today. As a matter of fact, some, some Bibles include Apocrypha and some don't. Now, the vast majority of Hebrew scholars considered the Apocrypha to be good historically, they considered them to be religious writings, but they did, not, they did not consider them to be on the same level as the Hebrew Scriptures. And so that, that debate will continue, I'm, I'm sure, long after I'm gone. New Testament process, there was a little more controversy that went on. 
and, and, and the collection of these, verse, these, these uh, scriptures obviously began with the early Christians. The early church began to do this. And very early on, even within New Testament books, we see other books being recognized. For instance, Paul considered Luke's writings to be authoritative, just as authoritative as the Old Testament. He, he would quote them. And Peter recognized Paul's writings as Scripture as well. And some of the books of the New Testament were being circulated among the churches. And we see in Colossians and in, Thess- in the writings of Thessalonians, um, these books were being circulated throughout the churches. And then Clement of Rome, he mentioned at least eight of the New Testament books. And Clement of Rome was around 95 uh, A.D. And then there was Ignatius of Antioch. He acknowledged seven books, and he was around 115 A.D. Polycarp, who was a disciple of John, the, the Apostle John, he acknowledged 15 books, and that was around 108 A.D. And then later on, Arrhenius uh, uh, um, mentioned 21 books, and that was around 185 A.D. So you see very early on, um, these Christian leaders were accepting um, several of the books. And then the, there was another gentleman if I'm saying his right, Hippolytus of Rome, he recognized 22 books, and that was about A.D. 170 to A.D. 235, somewhere in there. The New Testament books that received the most controversy, and, 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 I, and I, it's interesting because there were people who walked away just disagreeing, but that was the book of, of Hebrews was one of them, the book of James, um, the book of uh, First and, and Second and Third John, I guess all of them. Second Peter was another one that was there was controversy around those books, and so even in putting the canon together as early on as they possibly could do that, there were still some debate going on. The interesting thing, though, when it comes down in the final analysis, what we're really talking about is faith. If you have faith and you, you understand that this is the Word of God, that the people who wrote it were instruments of the Lord in writing it down and putting it together. Absolutely. And I think the Scriptures themselves attest to that. And so um, then people can say, well, well, you know what, then how do we know? And like you just said, I can't, I can't prove it to you. Uh, but I do know that um, God's Word has proven itself over and over to me. And I watch it continue to prove itself over and over in people's lives. And and I watch God's Word change people's lives all the time. No question about that, because once you start reading the Bible, you see in it a mirror of the things that happen in your life. You're looking at yourself when you read the Bible. And there was when when they were putting these these together, you know, the canon with the rule of law had to uh, have a standard. They didn't just accept every book. I mean, there were there were actually criteria for this, and so they were they were doing their best. They wanted to, the author, for instance, in the New Testament books, the author had to be an apostle or have a close connection with an apostle. They didn't just accept anybody's writing, even if it sounded good, right? And, and, and the books that were being accepted, um, they were being accepted by the body of Christ at large in the day, and the book had to be consistent in doctrine, or it couldn't have uh, problems. It couldn't have these controversies. It couldn't have uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, the, 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 whatever the, the word I'm conflicts. looking for. Conflicts. Conflicts. There's another, what's another, they always say the, it's full of, um, Mi- mistakes, whatever the word is. That's it. I'm, 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 I'm inconsistency. I'm, in, I'm at a loss for it. It couldn't do this. So if, uh, contradictions, there's the word. So if it, one would contradict the other that they already knew and accepted, then that book was a contradiction. It was, it was fake. 
And then it had to it had to bear evidence of that high moral and spiritual values that would reflect the work of the Holy Spirit. They just didn't accept any book that came in. And like you said, there were a lot. As a matter of fact, there were a lot of writings that began to circulate that really kind of forced their hand to say, wait a minute. We, we, we got all these writings that are going on. How do we know what's really God's word and what's not? And what I love about it is these guys way back then, again, a, a disciple, one of these guys, a disciple of John, had his hand in, in, in accepting certain books. And so it would be easy for us to now, you know, 2,000 years later, say, no, nah, I don't want that one. No, nah, I don't want that one. When we got to say, wait a minute, these guys back then who were right there at the time, they did say it was God's word. They did accept it as God's word. And of course, like I said, we do that with history all the time, don't we? We just accept and deny whatever we feel like, um, and you can't do that. It's either true or it's not. And that's what it is. It's a matter of faith. Pastor Brian Serrani, Calvary Chapel Mountainside Church, we've been discussing the Bible. Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Yeah. <laughs>